Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this retrospective edition of Fake News. This is going to be a retrospective today because as we move into a new year, I would like to look back. And I had planned to do this episode a few days ago, but I got sick. I caught some kind of bug over Christmas and it took out my voice for a little bit. I just had a really sore throat. Actually, still do. And so I'm going to see if I can even get through a whole broadcast today. Um, hopefully my voice will hold out for this for this whole program. No idea how long it's going to be right now. So it should be normal length, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if I can keep going. What I'd like to do is revisit some of the biggest fake news stories from the past year. And I started this podcast really because I've been so both fascinated and appalled by the past five years of just constant fake news. And it really ramped up in 2015. I say that because in a sense, there's always been lies and scandals when it came to the media, but we've really entered into a new era of fake news that I think ever, ever since 2015, it, this new era of fake news was really brought about by social media, by the internet, by the insane overreaction to Donald Trump. And we have to just remember that the news, they no longer have an incentive to be right or to be honest. The news has a financial incentive to be fast, but not to be right. It has a financial incentive to write headlines that get clicks, but not necessarily headlines that are honest. And in this internet age, where various headlines and news links can be analyzed and edited and and republished to gain the most views, um, the competition in news media is really based around getting attention, not getting to the truth. So again, there's no incentive to tell the truth anymore, no financial incentive anyway. There's always the, the moral incentive, but we just have way too many journalists who are simply not moral. And I don't mean that as a slam against all journalists. I mean, I myself was one a few years ago. There, there are immoral people in every industry, so I'm not saying anything specific about journalists right here. The difference is, though, when you have immoral people with the kind of public control and influence that the media has, uh, there is a lot of danger involved, especially when they're chasing the dollar rather than chasing the truth. So as I said, um, I started this podcast because I wanted to catalog and document some of the excesses of the media that I've witnessed myself over the past few years. And I try to do this show weekly, um, but I always want to reserve the right to take a week off <laughs> when I when it's a slow news week or if I get sick, like right, like right now or something like that. I also like doing these occasional retrospective episodes because it gives me an opportunity to talk about things that happened back before my podcast started. You know, I wish I wish I could have been cataloging fake news for the past few years if I had known how it was just going to blow up like this and not go away. Um, there's a there's a lot of fake news that's been worth documenting since before I started this podcast. I could write a fake I could write a book on all the fake news of just the 2016 election alone because there was so much stuff worth recording about that. Um, but that's not what I'm working on today. I want to talk actually about just this past year, 2021. And I want to talk about the fake news of the past year, mostly stuff that happened before I even started this podcast. Now, I did start this podcast in October. And let's get started here with number five, number five fake news item of the, the top five fakest news stories of 2021. That's really what this podcast is called today. 
So I'm going to go through the five fakest fake news stories of 2021. And this first one, though, it actually happened the week that I started my podcast. Okay. And frankly, my podcast couldn't have launched on a better week than this. Fake news, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. It launched during the week that Let's Go Brandon graced our Twitter timelines. So earlier on in 2020, around around the time of um, like August, September, when the football and, and all the other sports are kind of getting underway for the fall season, um, that was right around the time that Joe Biden's ratings really started to tank, his, his approval ratings. You know, he had just had the big debacle with Afghanistan in the summer, and the economy was starting to look pretty bad. Inflation was starting to rise. And there is, he was starting to get a lot of bad attention. That honeymoon period that presidents up until Trump had always enjoyed right after becoming president, the honeymoon was over for Biden, if he ever had one to begin with. But the honeymoon was over um, pretty much uh, by summer. He, he was starting to be held responsible for some of the disasters that had already happened under his watch. The biggest one was the Afghanistan thing. But just kind of his general mishandling of the economy and his failed promise to get COVID under control when he could do nothing about it. Um, all that stuff led to, at the start of the fall the fall time around August, September, um, at sports games, there were these chants breaking out in the stands. People shouting. I'm not going to repeat actually what they were shouting. They were shouting F Joe Biden. They were using the F word. I won't do that because this is a PG show here. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, actually, and I'm not going to use bad language on this show. But um, they were chanting blank Joe Biden at these games. And this was starting to become a, just a routine thing. Week after week, chants of, of F Joe Biden were breaking out at ball games all across the country. And so, of course, the liberal media did not like that very much. And there's this one NASCAR race in October. Uh, there was a race car driver named Brandon Brown, and he won. And he's being interviewed after the race, after his win. And in the background, as he's being interviewed, there's all these chants of F Joe Biden. They're going on in the background. <laughs> and the NBC reporter pauses like the interview for a second to listen to the crowd and says, you know, listen to that crowd. Isn't it exciting? They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> she did this to cover up for the fact that they were trashing the president, you know, a president that she probably voted for. They're trashing him on there. I would love to play a clip for you of just, just how funny this is. But like I said, we're a PG show, so I can't really play a clip of what they were yelling. But just the clip of her being like, oh, listen to them. They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> you can you can Google it if you want. If You, you can even find censored versions of the clip if you want to look it up. But um, listen, my top five fake news stories of the year, they're not necessarily ranked in order of like importance. It's just I thought this would be a fun one to kick off on is uh, – this story about let's go Brandon, because this story by itself, it is such an encapsulation of so much of what fake news is. This completely unprovoked lying, completely unnecessary lying by the media, an emotional response to something, you know, that would make a Democrat look bad. And then the way they gaslight you into thinking that you aren't hearing what you think you're hearing. <laughs> and then, of course, the whiny meltdown from the media whenever you call them out on it. All of that stuff is such a perfect encapsulation of what fake news really is. And this was a creation of the left. That's something that also makes it so funny. The right just took this and ran with it. <laughs> but the left is what started it. I'm, I'm calling this reporter a left, a left-wing reporter. I don't really have to know anything about her to conclude that. 
I mean, she does work for NBC, so that's also a pretty big hint right there. And this would have been a funny story, you know, like for a week or so, if either side could just let it go. But every few weeks, something else pops up with this to make it like newsworthy again. Um, the, the left won't just let this die. They keep stirring it up again and again, which is funny because they hate it so much. Like there is this Newsweek reported this. Uh, there is a boat uh, that was called the Let's Go Brandon boat. And it was in some some Christmas like contest and they won. But then after they won the, 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 the boat contest, they were disqualified once people realized what the name meant, that the boat was called Let's Go Brandon. So they won, and then they had their prize taken away because whoever ran the show found it too offensive to say Let's Go Brandon. Um, and, and things like that have been happening. Now, listen, if, if they had just let the boat win and moved on with their lives, would anyone have ever heard this story about the boat that won the Christmas award? No, nobody ever would have heard about this. I don't even know where it was, but nobody ever would have heard about this contest at all outside of the community where it started if they had just ignored it. But since they had to take the the boat one and then they had to take the boat's prize away, it becomes a national story because the left just keeps blowing this thing up again and again while complaining about how big of a deal it is. There's also a weekend back in December where uh, honestly, what happened was a bunch of left-wing news organizations, which is most of them, as well as Democrat politicians, they got the talking points, the memo for the weekend of what's the talking points. They all start whining at the same time about how the political right is using this vulgar slur of let's go, Brandon. Um, it just did all in one weekend. They all start talking about it again because they thought that would kill it. But that just made it blow up again when people had kind of started to forget about it. They call it the vulgar slur. <laughs> and um, to me, it's not vulgar. I get I get that many Republicans use it as a like a euphemism for F Joe Biden. I understand that. So I can understand why people who don't cuss, you know, like me, honestly, people who don't use cuss words, why they would not like it. Um, personally, I do not see it as vulgar. I, I see it as the opposite of vulgar. I see it a way of, to me, it's a way of making fun of the news. Because I think the news media are the biggest clowns in this whole thing. <laughs> they, they made up this phrase. So I, to me, it's something that makes fun of them. But also... I, you know, I see it as a way of expressing displeasure about the current president, doing so in a way that doesn't actually use profanity. So, um, you know, that's how I see it. If you don't like the phrase because you think it's equal to, to cussing or whatever, that's fine. I don't see it personally as any different. It's, it's, to me, it's no different than when someone says like, dang or heck, instead of saying a worse word. So uh, when people get uptight about the phrase, let's go, Brandon, I find it hard to believe that they're actually offended by that, um, especially when someone on the political left says that they're offended by it. Because for years, a rallying cry for the left, they would say F Donald Trump or F Trump. Like they would chant this repeatedly, constantly. They literally walk through the streets chanting this. Not, not what I said, but like the actual word. They would just go through the streets chanting it. They did it at ball games too. I, I, and when all that was going on for four years, I don't remember seeing a single headline decrying the state of our political discourse and civility and decency or slurs when people were using profane language about Trump. I don't remember a single headline in all four years of his presidency of people complaining about, you know, the lack of civility against Trump. But when people say, let's go, Brandon, I've seen like, it's been going on for the past three months. I've seen at least a dozen headlines whining about it. 
So, you know what? Don't give me that. <laughs> you are not actually offended by the phrase. They, they love to pretend to be for moral superiority. But some of us who actually do have functioning brains for the past five years, we're not buying it because we saw how you treated Trump. They're not mad because they think it's like suddenly crossing a line to disrespect a president. <laughs> they're mad because their president sucks. <laughs> they know he sucks. And the right is having a good time making fun of him. And nothing makes the left's blood boil more than seeing right-wingers having a good time. <laughs> because, listen, when Trump was president, they were miserable. They had a bad day every day for four years. And, and the reason for that is that whenever you're a leftist, the government is your god. And their god was Trump. They could not be happy until he was out of the White House. They, I mean, they, from the time that Trump won— they were so devastated. They were emotionally crushed. You've seen the pictures. People screaming at the sky. <laughs> People putting TikTok videos of them crying in their cars about what Trump did this week. They could not have a good day for four years straight. They could not be happy until he was out of the White House. Now, if you're a right winger, um, if government is not your idol, and if you're on the right, I know people on the right can still make government into an idol. I understand that. But that's more of a trope on the left. That's more of like, they want big government. They want the government to control their lives. I mean, that is just more naturally for them to see government as a god. I don't mean that exaggerated at all. I mean, that literally is what, what happens. But that's leftist ideology is to make to make government your god, make government your daddy, make government your nanny state, <laughs> your, your, um, your grandpa Bernie who's going to take care of everything you need. You know, that's that's what's going on there with the left. They want more free stuff. They want government to meet all the needs, and they think that's the government's job. They think the government's job is to stop coronavirus. You know, anyone who thinks that has made government into an idol. That's more of a left-wing thing. So I, all I'm saying is if you're, you're a right-winger, if government's not your idol, it's not who you depend on to take care of you, then, you know, you might not like who the president is at any given time, but, but it doesn't ruin your life. <laughs> you know, you can joke about it. The right, can, this is what the right can do. This is our power, our superpower. We can joke about Obama and Trump and Biden and Bush. Okay. I, I've probably joked about, <laughs> I'm sure I made more jokes about George Bush than I did about Barack Obama, even though I like George Bush more than Obama. I think Obama was the worst president of my lifetime. But I probably made more jokes about <laughs> George Bush because he, and, and Trump. Frankly, I think I've made more jokes about Trump than any president ever. And I voted for Trump the second time around. <laughs> but, you know, he's just a, there's a lot of humorous stuff. <laughs> uh, they both do a lot of clowny things. So the, the superpower of the right is that we can, we can make jokes about people we agree and disagree with. But when it comes to the left, they can only make jokes about the other side. They can't make jokes about their own politicians. They can't stand it. Just look at the late night comedy shows. They cannot stand it. Whenever they, they can't even make jokes about the left, they're all on the left and they can't joke about their own presidents. We have a president who's a dementia patient in the office right now. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that to be disrespectful. I'm, I, I see that just as a fact. Um, if de if dementia is a little bit too strong, I'm not saying he has Alzheimer's. I'm just saying his his cognitive ability has clearly declined. That is so obvious. And I think after four years of being president, I think Trump's did too. I think if you watch. Speeches of him at the start of his presidency versus the end. He was never a super articulate guy, but I personally, I see a big difference at the beginning versus the end of his presidency. Even I think he declined while he was in office. 
I think Biden, you look at any video of him from like five years ago compared to now, he has declined. I don't mean that as a, even as an insult, except for the fact that <laughs> the guy, the guy who has his hands on the nuclear codes, um, well, I'm going to actually, I'll, I'll just play a clip in a minute of how lost he is. Okay. I want to play a clip to just show that. Cause here's why the left is freaking out about let's go Brandon. Let me, let me play a clip about Biden in a minute, but let me just play a clip real quick of um, the Atlantic's Ron Brownstein. He's being interviewed by CNN. I want to show a clip here about how the media is melting down about the phrase. And then I'm going to show you why they're melting down about it. But first let me play a play. play I'm going to play a clip of how much they are melting down about this. Listen to what he said on CNN. What does it tell you that somebody is rude like that and disrespects the office of the president to his face uh, about the political climate in this country? Yeah, look, I, you know, it's ungracious, it's juvenile, it's reprehensible by the father. Uh, but I don't think it's fundamentally about incivility. I think it is fundamentally about insurrection. Um, you know, I don't know the, the, the individual, but the, the whole let's go Brandon kind of motif is a reflection of the view two thirds of the Republican uh, base driven by Trump's claims, uh, false claims and the big lie that Biden is an illegitimate president. Now, listen to that. <laughs> an insurrection. He says, let's go. Brandon is about an insurrection. Now, oh, that's actually that's just hilarious. I My throat is too sore for me to laugh right now. I, I think <laughs> that's pretty that is a pretty extreme overreaction. I mean, insurrection is being a traitor to the country. Okay, uh, we're going to be doing a show pretty soon about insurrections, and that there's a that's a pretty high bar to to leap over the bar of insurrection. He's saying, "Let's go, Brandon," is about insurrection, um, and he's like, "This why would someone say let's go, Brandon' to Biden's face?" <laughs> you know, when I re when I hear that, have you even watched how a mainstream media reporter would talk to President Trump for the past few years? The reporters were constantly getting into arguments with Trump. Reporters were arguing with him disrespectfully, like very aggressively, ways that they would never talk to Biden. And, and let's be clear, when a leftist ever disrespected Trump to his face, that person became a national hero in the mainstream media. They became a national hero to the left. When a woman was caught flipping off Trump's motorcade, this happened like back in 2017, did CNN have a segment over that about the the diminishing political climate? No, she was elected to an office in her home state of Virginia. She was elected to an office. I don't know, remember what position it was. She was elected to some position in Virginia. And her claim to fame was that she flipped off Trump's motorcade one time whenever he came rolling through Virginia. And so she got elected to an office in her state over that. <laughs> you know, this is what happens if you're on the left and you disrespect Trump. But if you're on the right and you disrespect Biden, they're going to run a segment about it and say you're basically an insurrectionist. And this is, the, and why was CNN talking about this? Okay, here's the best part. Here's here here's the Christmas present that the, the the Christmas present that the president gave us. Okay, Joe Biden was doing the thing that presidents do on Christmas Eve. They they call these people up who work for like radar companies. I'm not I'm not sure what you call it, but they call in and they do this thing every year where they're like. Well, hey, have you seen Santa take off from the North Pole yet on your radar? <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a thing presidents do every year. It's just kind of silly, kind of fun. Okay, so this one guy, 
he ended the call with the president and they were doing like a live stream of this on the White House live stream that he ended the call by saying, let's go, Brandon. Now, this was a childish and silly prank, you know, of course. But I'm just going to point out, if this was a left winger who had done this to Trump, the left would have been trying to elect that guy as the next president over it, okay? (laughs) But this guy did it to Biden. Let me play the clip for you. Because Biden, when this happens, Biden appears to have no idea what's going on at all whenever it happens. And that that makes the clip even funnier. But I'm just going to play it, and then I'm going to point out a couple things. Okay? So, let's pause for a moment. Here's a message from our president on Christmas Eve of this year. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. So Biden, he actually says, I agree whenever he hears the words, let's go, Brandon. So he clearly does not understand what he's agreeing with. Now, if you go watch the clip, if you haven't seen it yet, his wife does. His wife knows what he's saying. because You can see the expression on her face. But Biden, he has no clue. He has no clue. You heard him. He just says, I agree. (laughs) Whenever he heard it. So the left is freaking out because this, this whole scenario right here, it exposed a few things. Okay. One, it exposed the cluelessness of the president. Okay. I mean, I listen to you who's listening. I don't know. I don't know if you like your job. Maybe you hate your job, but at least you are not the white house employee who had to go to the president of the United States on Christmas Eve and explain to him what he had said on a live broadcast feed. At least that was not your job. I would have liked to be in the room when that happened. Okay, two. If Biden, you know, obviously he doesn't understand what let's go Brandon means. So number two, why did he say then, I agree? Why would he say that? Here's what this exposes about Joe Biden. that This is a man with no principles. He just says whatever he thinks it takes to get people to like him. Okay, if you don't know what something means, you you shouldn't agree with it. All right. And that includes if you're the president of the United States. Like imagine you're at a dinner party or something. Okay. And then someone says to you something like, oh, I really I sure like that Bob Baker. He's just great at everything. And you have no idea who that is. Okay, just a name I made up. And you're like, okay, I have no idea who Bob Baker is. But you just say, oh, yeah, I agree. Well, okay, if come to find out like. They're like, oh, yeah, what do you what do you like about Bob Baker? <laughs> you know, if they just quiz you on it a little bit and you have to admit you don't know who he is, it makes you look like a weirdo, like a moron, because you just agreed with a statement that you had no idea what you were talking about. You know, that's just people. Some people just agree with everything to just go with the flow. That's that's embarrassing. If you get caught in that, that's embarrassing. <laughs> and that's the president we have. He's a follower, not a leader. This video just exposes that. He just goes with whatever he thinks people want to hear. Oh, yeah, let's go with Brandon. I agree. (laughs) So this video exposed that, too. And third, you know, it just shows the unpopularity of the president because Biden has such horrible approval ratings right now. He can't even get through this this little PR exercise the White House does every year. He couldn't even get through that (laughs) without being embarrassed. (laughs) I can assure you next year, whenever they do it, 
Um, they're not going to do it live. <laughs> or they're going to screen the people more clear carefully next time. But they're not going to do it live next year because they want to be able to, to not let something go over the air if they don't want it to. <laughs> so the right wing, the right wing is having a great time with Biden's failures, which infuriates the left even more. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty much 2021 in a nutshell. But we aren't done yet. Let's go on to story. We're going to do number four of today. Okay. Event number four in our top five fakest news stories of the year. For number four, I just want to talk for a minute. This is actually not about one specific story. It's about a series of headlines that I've seen this year. I've seen a series of headlines claiming things like this. Republicans are banning masks. A lot of times you'll see that with like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has a, a lot of popularity in the Republican Party. If Donald Trump doesn't run in 2024, there's a good chance Ron DeSantis makes a move and would probably get it because he's basically he's basically basically Trump with brains. You know, Trump with self-control because um, <laughs> Donald Trump, you know, does a lot of bold and brash things, but he doesn't always have the um, he doesn't always have the ability to rein himself in over some of his excesses. And Ron DeSantis is just kind of like the perfect form of Trump. He's great at trolling the left. He's great at doing bold moves. He's not afraid of the media. He's not. He's willing to fight back against the lying media. And uh, he doesn't back down. And he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So he's a pretty intimidating candidate against the left. I really hope he does run in 2024. But um, since he is such a formidable figure in the Republican Party right now, the media has been just crapping all over him. You've seen that a lot this year, even though Florida has done pretty good at handling the coronavirus. For some reason, it's the only state that the media is interested in covering <laughs> every time they have a spike uh, in cases. The media wants to make a big deal about it. So one thing I've seen a lot this year is just these headlines that'll say, Ron DeSantis is banning masks in school ch for school children in Florida. Let me just explain that story really quick. Um, that is not true. That's, it's a false headline when you read that. What Ron DeSantis has banned are mask mandates in Florida. And I, that's not even official yet because it's still being settled in the courts. But what he's been trying to do is ban the mask mandates. Now, that's not the same as banning masks because all it does, all it means is that if you want to wear a mask, you can. If your kid's going to school and you want to put a mask on your kid's face while they're at school, you can. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. But it's a, it's a personal choice. Ron DeSantis is just taking this decision out of the hands of the government, out of the hands of the school districts, and is placing it between the children and their parents. And that's, it, it comes, it, listen, it's about wearing something on your face all day. So it should be a personal decision. I'm not telling other people how to parent their kids. But what the school boards and what a lot of the left-wing parents are wanting to do is tell you how you should parent your kids and tell you that you need to strap a mask to your kid's face for all day long. So Ron DeSantis is just trying to make that an, an issue that the child or the parents in the child, what, what they decide for themselves, something that the school does not enforce. And so he's not banning masks. He's making it a personal choice if you want to wear a mask. Big difference in those two things. One of them is pro-freedom. One of them is pro-authority and pro-control. But the media is lying when they say it's a ban on masks. Same thing with vaccines. When Republicans are trying to stop vaccine mandates, they're trying to stop the mandate part. They're not saying you can't get a vaccine. The vaccines were created by 
Republican Party policies. Donald Trump trying to take the vaccine and put a financial incentive in place to get one out as fast as possible. That was created by basically people on the right. It wasn't a left-wing creation. So the right is not anti-vaccine. Now, I know there's a lot of people who are individuals who are politically conservative who choose not to get the vaccine. And there's people on the left who feel the same way. But the the politicians on the right, okay, people like Ron DeSantis, he's got the vaccine. He's not anti-vaccine. But they are against vaccine mandates where you force people to get an injection against their will. And that's what the left is wanting to do because it's all about authority and control and letting the government tell you what to do because it's daddy government. It's your God. It's supposed to control you. So these are two, these are two different competing philosophies <clears throat> when we talk about vaccine mandates and mask mandates versus personal choice in those issues. These are, all, these are about competing philosophies. It's not even really about the mask or the vaccine. It is about that, but there's, greater, there's a greater philosophy at work underneath these things. So Ron DeSantis is not against vaccines in like a general way. And he's not, he's not against the coronavirus vaccine in a general way. And Ron DeSantis is not, I don't know, that, I don't know if he is or isn't in favor of masks even. That's not relevant really though. His personal feelings are not relative, relevant because he's not trying to enforce his personal feelings on every citizen of Florida. He's not trying to enforce his personal feelings on masks on every citizen or every school child in Florida. He's letting people make decisions for themselves. It's a philosophical issue. It's a freedom issue. And Ron DeSantis is on the side of freedom. Mandates are not on the side of freedom. They go against freedom. So anytime you see the media saying, oh, this Republican, I'll give some examples in a minute. Ron DeSantis or this Republican is, is against masks or against vaccines. Almost certainly that headline is lying. They're against the mandates. But the media has this way of trying, this is one of the left's agendas right now. They're trying to conflate all these people and put them all under the same umbrella of anti-vax. They're trying to conflate being against the vaccine as being the same as being against getting vaccinated against coronavirus and the same as being against all vaccines ever. Those are very different positions. They're individuals who are generally in favor of vaccines, but against the coronavirus vaccine. There's people who are against, generally against vaccines, against the coronavirus vaccine and against the mandate. There's people who are in favor of getting vaccines and in favor of the coronavirus vaccine, but against the mandate. You know, there's people of all different stripes, but the media wants to conflate all of them under this umbrella term of anti-vax and roll it all up into one and say, all those people are your enemy. So here's a video. This is my, this is like the funniest campaign ad of all time. It's not trying to be funny. It just is. Here's a video attacking Ron DeSantis. To me, when I watch this, it's pro Ron DeSantis. But this video is trying to, <laughs> calling him like Ron Death Santis and it's trying to attack him. They say all this stuff about how he's pro-freedom, like he's this bad and scary man. So this is like one of the funniest campaign ads of all time. Spectacular backfire. I'm going to play that for you while I get a drink. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your cabin crew, we'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida airspace. Now that we're making our final descent, 
please watch this short message from Governor Ron DeSantis on COVID-19. Thereafter, everyone on board will be required to comply with the state's forever purge. We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates and lockdowns or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're within state lines, you do not have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. And you have the absolute right to infect whoever you want, whenever and wherever with COVID-19. Thank you for traveling with us. And please, enjoy your forever purge. COVID-19 is surging again. This is the time to double down. The governor is doubling down. He says students shouldn't be forced to wear masks. If you are trying to lock people down, I'm going to stand in your way. Florida just requested 300 new ventilators. Hospitals are filling up here. There is evidence that children are making up much higher cases that are emerging. The numbers continue to rise across Florida. This fall, don't breathe. This is insane. The Forever Purge. Coming to a theater and live streaming networks near you. So yeah, if that was an attack ad, you know, it backfired because that just made me like Ron DeSantis even more. And then um, this has been happening a bunch. Uh, It's been happening in my state. Eric Schmidt is the attorney general in my state, Missouri. And he's running for Senate next year because we have a Senate seat opening up. And he's really stepped up his game this year. I, it, out of all the people, I won't go through all the people who are running for Senate in my state. There's a pretty sad uh, slate of candidates running for Senate for next year. Eric Schmidt is the only one I actually like, so I really hope he gets it. And he's, like I said, he stepped up his game. He's doing similar things in my state as the attorney general that Ron DeSantis has been doing in Florida. Basically saying schools can't mandate masks and vaccines. Not that schools must ban them. Okay, saying that it's a personal freedom choice. (laughs) But the Daily Beast Beast reports this. This GOP politician wants to turn you into a COVID-19 snitch (laughs) because he basically said schools aren't allowed to mandate masks. And if they are, report it to the AG office. You know, that's that's what he said. They they call that turning you into a COVID-19 snitch. St. Louis Post-Dispatch has a headline. How many lives will Eric Schmidt endanger? This is how they treat Republicans for being pro-freedom. Not trying to kill anyone. Just saying people can make decisions for themselves. If you think the vaccine protects you, get the vaccine. If you think the mask protects you, wear a mask. But it's not, you know, you can't force other people to do that. I think wearing a seatbelt protects me, so I wear a seatbelt in my car. Also, it'll ding at me nonstop until I put it on anyway. But... For practical reasons, I mean, I will put on, I put on my, my seatbelt because I think it will protect me. That doesn't mean that I think I need to mandate that everyone else in every other car must wear their seatbelt too. Because you know what? If I get in a wreck, the seatbelt is to protect me, the person who's choosing to wear it. So if someone else d- does or doesn't want to wear their seatbelt, you know, that's their decision. I think it's not very smart to go around without your seatbelt on, but that's their decision. It shouldn't be my decision what someone else does in their own car. All right. Well, anyway. Oh, Donald J. Trump. 
Or no, sorry, Donald Trump Jr. I think it's Donald J. Trump Jr. But anyway, this is how Vanity Fair reported about him this year. Donald Trump Jr., world-renowned moron, urges vaccine protests as Omicron poses a very high risk. Okay, let me just say, Donald Trump Jr., his dad created the vaccine. So he's not putting out there that we should get vaccine protests. Donald Trump Jr. is against vaccine mandates. Big difference right there. He's not against the vaccine. He's against the mandates. But Vanity Fair calls it vaccine protests because they want to make Republicans look like they're all against vaccines. Anyway, it's not about that. It's about personal freedom. The media knows this. They're lying because they want to make you dumber. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make you dumber. So that's why they make headlines like this. Because they want you to just conflate all these things in your head. They know what's what's going on. They know he's not against the vaccine. Because they know that his dad created the vaccine. But the media has this agenda that wants to make all Republican politicians look bad. And they're trying to roll all of them up into this one ball. So if you're if you're an anti-vaxxer from before, if you're just against the coronavirus vaccine, or if you're just against the mandates, you can be for all that other stuff and just against the mandates. And they want to lump all of you into the same category of anti-vaxxer. They even got the, the dictionary, Merriam-Webster. They got the dictionary on board to help them out with that. Okay? But it's all propaganda. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's wordplay. Wordplay is dangerous to me because I think words matter. But this is dangerous wordplay the left has been doing throughout the year in league with the dictionary itself. So this goes all the way to the top. All right, number three. I'm trying to get through this. My voice really does not want me to get through all five today. <laughs> but my voice uh, is, is starting. I got a drink a minute ago. Let's see if it'll get me through. Number three, something that we actually did cover on this show. I just think it's worth talking about again because it's another thing that kind of represents a bigger issue going on in society. Or actually, it represents a bigger non-issue going out, going on in society. At the end of the Virginia race for governor, as you know, a Republican won in Virginia in November. Woohoo! That was a big deal because that was normally a pretty blue state. But Glenn Youngkin, as well as Winsome Sears, who's a black lady, and I can't remember the other one's name, but um, the attorney general, the guy who won, was a uh, Hispanic Republican. And anyway, the Republicans took those top seats in the Virginia election. And that, like I said, it's a state that Republicans don't usually win in. So this was a major race. And when it started to look like Glenn Youngkin was going to win over there in Virginia, some of the Democrats got together and they staged a stunt. Okay, they staged a stunt where they dressed up as white supremacists and went to one of Glenn Youngkin's political rallies to try to make it appear that the white supremacist crowd was supporting the Republican. However, people took pictures of the white... Well, the media actually took pictures of the white supremacists. The media started sharing this at first. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, look over here, white supremacists at a Republican rally. Well, people looked up who was in the pictures. They were wearing sunglasses, but people figured it out. All of them were Democrat campaign staffers (laughs) for the Democrats at that race in Virginia. (laughs) I'm so so glad I got my podcast going in time to cover this. We we got to cover that election. (laughs) Um... Now, the official story is that the Lincoln Project did this, a group of anti-Trump Republicans, that they're the ones who did this. I was going to tell you, that is that is a cover-up. There has been no evidence put forward that the Lincoln Project did it, okay? They took the blame to cover for the Democrats, but this was, this was absolutely a Democrat scheme because every person in the Tiki Torch outfit, every single person that they found there, that they were Democrats. They weren't 
Lincoln Project staffers, they were Democrat staffers. So this was a Democrat hoax. And then they tried to cover it up with another hoax, saying that it was the Lincoln Project. That's just a hoax within a hoax, okay? An inception of fake news. <laughs> and they are so stupid, they couldn't even pull off a hoax. <laughs> I mean, it like, <clears throat> if they wanted someone who was like a really convincing white supremacist to hold their tiki torch out there, they should have got those guys who beat up Jesse Smollett. You know, the, those, those two red hat wearing noose tying white brothers down there in the MAGA country of Chicago. They never caught those guys. So clearly those guys know how to pull off something sneaky. Lincoln Project should have contacted them about pulling this off because those guys know how to get away with something. All right. So that was number three. Number two. This is another story that's gone on all year long. I want to talk about the constant lying about COVID vaccines. Okay. I'm just going to play a clip. This clip encompasses people from like the entire past year, all right? And I want you to listen to all the constant lies they've told over the course of the past year. They're gonna say a bunch of things that we know are not true today, like at the beginning of the video, things that they that we know today to not be true. But they reported this stuff as fact like months ago. And they would say, if you denied their propaganda back then, they would say that you're just anti-science. Okay, I'm, I'm going to play this today because it's clear that the vaccine has failed. People say that it's like as effective as other vaccines. Okay, listen, there's like at least three shots they're telling you to get now. Like there's the two initial shots and then they say that you need the booster shot. And some say you should get two boosters. <laughs> In some countries, they want you to get three or four boosters, six shots total. It hasn't even been a year that it's been available, guys. And some countries want you to have six Shots. And in America, a lot of people have had three. They've had two shots and one booster. Okay. Here's a question for you. What kind of vaccine, what kind of vaccine is so ineffective that you need to get it three times in one year and it still won't even prevent you from getting COVID? Okay. Three times in one year and and you're still going to get Omicron. So all the claims that you're about to hear in this first part of the video, okay, the stuff they were saying at the beginning of the year, this is all stuff that we know now to be untrue. Let me play this video. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx 
of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent death. The booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. The plan is for every, every adult to get a booster shot. Well, there you go. And here's another one. Um, here's a, this is one from Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. This is a shorter video. But just listen for like the next minute. Virtually everything she says is going to be stuff that is untrue. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were... Right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way, now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. If we just go fast enough to get the whole pop. So she said all this back in like, I think it was March, March, April, May, somewhere in there. She said all this stuff like back in March, all stuff that we know today to be untrue. Um, everything that they're starting to admit now about the coronavirus, about this whole pandemic, they're, they're finally starting to admit stuff now that conservative media has been saying since 2020, okay? The, in the past few weeks, Biden's messaging on COVID has shifted because now he's finally admitting they're not going to get it under control. He's finally admitting a bunch of stuff that, like I said, conservative media has been saying since 2020, like that children are not susceptible to the virus. Okay, I mean, yes, children can get it, but they are not at a high risk of dying from it. It's rare that a child dies from coronavirus, despite the fact that they're trying to keep schools shut down and make and, and, you know, do this remote learning stuff. Conservative media has pointed that out from basically day one. Mainstream media is, is just now starting to admit that children are not at high risk. Fauci just admitted that this week. He just admitted this week that, yes, uh, some children are going to the hospital with COVID, but that doesn't mean they're going because of COVID. Because you know what? In the past... Children who went to the hospital for basically any reason for, you know, they could go to the hospital for lots of different reasons. But if they had tested positive for Corona while they were there, they were considered a coronavirus case that they went to the hospital because of COVID when that wasn't why they might have necessarily went. If you had a broken arm and you went in and you also tested positive for COVID, they would go on the news and say, oh, yeah, this kid, you know, he's in the hospital with COVID. Well, it might be technically true, but the it might have been the broken arm that sent him to the hospital, not the COVID. So they've been playing with statistics all along. Fauci admitted this week. Yeah, that's actually two different statistics. <laughs> he admitted that on CNN. Another thing, the lab leak theory, which they said was a deranged right-wing conspiracy theory in 2020, you know, when Trump said it, when, um, when Rand Paul said it, 
when lots of these Republican politicians said, oh, it might have come from a lab in Wuhan because they have a viral they have a virology lab in Wuhan. Maybe that's where the virus came from. People said, oh, well, you're just anti you're racist. You're anti China. It's a racist theory. <laughs> now they're admitting it's probably true. Here's a big one. That COVID is something that won't go away, that it's endemic. It's something we're just going to have to live with. Conservative media that I listen to has been saying this since last year, since basically the the pandemic started. We just got to learn to live with it. The government can't make it go away. If you're mad about it, blame China. No, instead, all along, the media said blame Trump, blame Republicans. And we got to get this under control. It's the Republicans' fault. We can't get it under control. The liberal media made people believe that zero COVID was an achievable goal. All lies. Here's another thing that they're finally admitting now, that a cloth mask that you wear for weeks or months at a time is protecting you from sickness. (laughs) Now they're admitting a cloth mask doesn't help you at all. Conservatives said this all along. To liberals, all along they were saying, wear a mask, wear a mask. We don't even care if it's cloth. We don't care if it's an N95. Just do what we say. It was about control, not science. It was about creating division in society. It was about making you try to hate your neighbor, and it worked. You know, whatever your position is on COVID-19 stuff, someone hates you for it. So their division strategy worked. That's what it was about all along. It's never about science. Now they're admitting the cloth masks don't really do any good. They admitted that on CNN this week. What about the idea that the federal government's job was to manage COVID? Joe Biden admitted this week. Right before he went on vacation, he said local governments are going to have to do what's best for them, but that the federal government does not have a solution to COVID. Conservative media has said this as far back as the lockdowns. They said, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense for North Dakota to do the same mandate restrictions and lockdown restrictions that New York is doing. There's a higher population density in New York. You know, the conservative media said this from the beginning. Now Democrats are finally admitting, oh yeah, you know, maybe we don't have to treat that people in Wyoming, the same as we do with people in California. <laughs> Wyoming, where you have like two people per square mile. And California, where you have 50,000 people per square mile. Maybe you do different things in different places. Yeah. And the biggest lie, of course, is that Joe Biden said repeatedly that he could stop COVID. But we're going to save that talking point for another day, actually. All right. So that brings us to number one. The number one fakest news item of 2021. And that is something we're going to save for next time. (laughs) Not because of my throat. I would get through it today if I could. Um, I really would. It's not actually because of my throat. I actually just want to talk about this number one thing in an episode all of its own. Okay. But don't worry. I'm not going to wait like a full week to release it. I'm going to try to get it out in the next few days. I'm going to let my, my voice rest for the rest of today. And then I'm going to get that last, that next episode out, okay? But the number one fake news item, this, this one particular thing was so damaging to our society, I think it deserves its own episode, truly. I don't even want to push it into this one. And I can't wait to tell you about it, but not today. All right, look for that in episode 13, and that's going to be coming at you very soon. Now, before I close down later, I just want to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. 
And also, to stay in touch throughout the week, we are on Twitter. It's at Fake News Weekly. And I'll mention this too. If you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References. And it has nothing to do with news or current events. It's just what I can, it's what I consider my main podcast. And I try to get new episodes of that one out on Mondays because of the way my throat is going. I'm not sure if I'll have one out for this coming Monday, but um, we have 10 episodes out already. So just go look up Cross References on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast. You can also find my other one. And uh, let me, let me do another thing real quick. Before we go for today, I'm going to go ahead and give you what's racist for this week. Everything is racist. Okay, so what's racist for this week? Well, big words are racist. This is according to Kimberly Parker Tamlin Vesper. She's on Twitter at Parker Tamlin. And here's what she says. Using big words is another form of white supremacy. Blacks who live in urban areas don't have the same access to education as whites. This makes them less smart. If you feel the need to communicate like you are a thesaurus, you are probably a white supremacist. <laughs> so saw that this week from Kimberly Park and Tamlin Vesper. And I just want to point out something here when I read this terrible thing she said, this untrue thing she said. I just want to point out, if I were to say something horrible like, white people are smarter than black people, okay, if I were to say something like that, People would call me racist. They'd call me white supremacist and so on. This person right here, she says basically the exact same thing. She just couches her her hateful opinion in these nice sounding words. You know, she, they can't use big words. They they don't have educate they don't have access to education like whites do. So they can't use big words. They don't understand what we're talking about. Here's how I look at it. Um, my worldview, speaking of me personally. My worldview teaches me to treat everyone the same. So I would use the same words around somebody of one race as I would of another race. You know, I might use fewer big words around a small child, but it wouldn't be on the basis of race. So my view is to treat everyone the same. Kimberly Parker Tamlin Vesper would say that treating everyone the same is white supremacy. So her view is that we should treat black people like they're stupid because that's equality to her. My view is that Kimberly Parker Tamlin Vesper is a doo-doo head. I tried to use a word I think she would understand. And then another race-related thing that happened uh, that just this week, the New York governor has declared racism a public health emergency. That's as reported by ABC News. And the, the governor over there in New York, her name is Kathy Hochul. Just remember what I said on one of the recent episodes that the government has used COVID to say that, you know, what they can exert whatever power they want and they do this in the name of health and safety. And people just go along with it. Oh yeah, it's for our health and safety. They just go along with whatever the government says. So now when New York says that racism is a public health emergency, basically she's going to declare that she can just do whatever she needs to do to solve racism. And whatever she needs to do, she can do it. That's what she's that's what she's setting herself up to do. That means rewriting whatever laws, making changes to our economic structure that she needs to do. She says she can do that now in the name of a public health emergency, which is racism. Okay? And she's already given out one of her new decrees. She said non-white people, they they get priority treatment if you're in the emergency room when treating COVID. Not kidding. She put out a, a rule or whatever. It said non-white race or Hispanic Latino ethnicity should be considered a risk factor 
as longstanding systemic health and social inequalities inequities have contributed to an increased risk of severe illness and death from COVID-19. You know, the post-millennial reported this. So she's made it to where if you're not white, you should get special treatment considered to be more at risk. And so therefore get special treatment just on the basis of being not white. That, that's what she's saying for emergency rooms now in New York. So these people, like they want a race war. You know, this that is what the goal is of these liberal decrees that they put out. They want to divide the races. We had so much good stuff going on between races in like the 90s, 2000s, um, up until Obama got elected. We had, we were getting so much good racial harmony in this country. Everything was moving in the right direction. And now the, the Democrats have realized if they don't have de- friction between the races, they can't use that in political, in their political fights. So they want a race war. They're not going to get it for me. But when they do stuff like this, like they are... This is what they want, but they are going to create actual white supremacists whenever they do this stuff because they're going to get people to start trying to make laws that will specifically benefit whites because they're going to try to fight back against the laws that are specifically hurting whites. You know, this is what the Democrats want, and that is what they're going to get when they keep pushing this stuff. So this is how the left is trying to create a race war right now. Democrat um, Kathy Hochul, she's the replacement for Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo, you know, he was pushed out of his office earlier this year because he couldn't stop putting his hands on young women without their consent. And um, listen, we know <laughs> Democrats, they don't actually care about their politicians manhandling young girls. <laughs> they don't really care about that because otherwise they never would have elected Joe Biden. Um, it's fake outrage about Andrew Cuomo, but they never would have pushed him out unless they had someone who was just even more extreme and radical who was waiting in the wings to take his position. And that, that extremist, that is Kathy Hochul. So whatever she's up to, we can know it's going to be no good. Okay, and last for today, I just want to touch on a thing that happened because we see so much stupid news and dumb news and fake news, but this let's end with some good news. Uh, this was kind of a neat story. Headline says, sixth grader saves classmate from choking and elderly woman from a house fire in the same day. <laughs> this, is, this is not fake. This is true. It's just pretty awesome. Davon Johnson is just a normal sixth grader from Muskogee, Oklahoma. A normal sixth grader who just happened to have the willingness and ability to save two lives in a single day. According to local news last Thursday, Johnson saved a classmate who was choking on a bottle cap and then after school helped an old lady escape from a house fire. <laughs> so that's pretty cool stuff there from Davon. That's from that's reported by Not The Bee and then um, Eden News in, in Muskogee, Oklahoma. They say uh, the choking student... There's a student choking at Davon's school. It said the choking student stumbled into a nearby classroom where Davon happened to be. Immediately, Davon sprinted over and did the Heimlich maneuver. From the account of the witnesses, when he did it, the bottle cap popped out. <laughs> so that's awesome. Then in, he's walking home later. Davon sees a house fire, and there's a disabled woman on the porch, and she can't get off of her porch. So he helped her get off the porch and helped her get to safety. Did I mention he's a sixth grader? Yeah. This kid has saved more lives before he started his homework than I have in 30 years. So good for you, Davon. And we're going to end on that note for today. Thank you all for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if you hear that the Lincoln Project has organized a racist rally, well, to be honest, they might be a bunch of racists, but they couldn't organize anything. That's just fake news. Fake news.